You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 226 of the Comic Book Informer podcast coming to you on August 11th. How you doing today, Raj? I'm doing great. Like I said, my daughter, my granddaughter came over today, got to play for hours with her. I'm just having a fantastic day. What could ruin this day, I wonder? Crappy Deadpool? comics. Deadpool could ruin this day. <laughs> <laughs> why did you do this to me? I need to know right away, why did you do this to me? Well... Did you see the first trailer for the new Deadpool movie last week? Yes, I did. What did you think of that? I'm I'm really on the fence about the Deadpool movie. Not mm-hmm. because of what I think about the character. I mean, we've already established that... He can work. It can work. And a lot of people will knock Ryan Reynolds for a lot of things. But here's the thing. Unless it's a really, really horrible Green Lantern movie, you can't help but still like the guy. And mm-hmm. he's still kind of quirky and funny. And and I don't think that they could have cast it any better. I really don't. I, I've been racking my brain trying to think of who else could they have put in that role that would have been better. And I honestly don't think so. So I'm. I, it could be good, but it could also fall so flat on its face. Like, look at... Wolverine is a better known IP, even stronger character, and the movies were horrible. So who knows what'll happen with this? Like watching the trailer, like I loved the action. A lot of the character stuff was pretty enjoyable, but I, I don't know how thickly the jokes were packed for the trailer. <laughs> but it, it it was even the same thing. Remember that little four minute quote leaked video a couple of years ago before they even started the Deadpool movie? It was like by the end of that, I was already kind of getting tired of the constant quips, and it was the same thing in the trailer. I was like, uh, uh, obviously it's comedy. Not every joke is going to land with the same force. You know, some are going to be hits, some of them are going to be kind of borderline. But it by the end of the trailer, I was just like. Uh, Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. But I, I, I attribute I, that to... I felt like Wolverine actually <laughs> dealing with Deadpool by the end of the trailer. <laughs> okay, that's funny. I uh, Again, I attributed that just to poor trailer editing kind of thing that they just crammed in as much I'm hoping. as possible. Because if the entire movie is that, then phew, forget it. I'm not paying money to watch that. But actually watching the trailer and picking up on a lot of the... Smaller stuff, you know, the supporting cast, Weasel, Blind Owl, uh, Vanessa. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I recognize. Like, oh, this is actually pretty accurate to the character. You know, he obviously looks perfect and, you know, he has the right attitude. But the actual background seemed to be like, wow, this is they did a really good job adapting the comic to the movie. So I was remembering, I was like, oh, what was that old Deadpool miniseries from back in the 90s? And it was I remembered it. it's called The Circle Chase, which was Deadpool's first solo outing. It was a four-issue miniseries published in 1993, written by Fabian Nicieza, art by Joe Madrera. And focusing on the artwork for a minute here, this was actually really interesting to look at art-wise because the first issue looked like any number of early 90s comics. But over the course of the four issues, you can see that kind of Madrera style starting to coalesce in the pages because this was still early in his career as well. And, yeah, obviously we've seen 
some fantastic comics out of him over the last couple of years. Some of the stuff he's done with Marvel and his creator owned work, but it's hilarious to see even back then, just like every other artist in the nineties, dude couldn't draw feet. Those feet are horrible. And I wondered if it was done on purpose. I honestly did, especially after what was that comic you had talked about a while back too? the guy didn't draw any feet until that was the actual, uh, the Deadpool comic. Yeah. So they, where he, where they did a flashback to a forgotten issue of the nineties and he yeah. did it on purpose. So that's why I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, Oh, this is a shot at Lee Field. It has to be. And if so, no, cause it was too early, like in their careers. Really? Oh yeah. Like this was when Liefeld was, uh, still doing his X-Force thing. Well, whatever it is. <laughs> It's it's a lot of pointy toes, a lot of very hooves, big arch arches, too. <laughs> and a lot of foreground material to hide everything below the ankles yep. <laughs> or clever panel layouts. But like I said, it's just hilarious to see a guy that's legitimately a great artist by today's standards. Even he started off a little rough. At least for most of the shots with the mask, you can see that there's an impression of a nose mm-hmm. as opposed to Lee Fields just hundreds of lines pointing to a point where our nose should be. And story-wise, I will say Fabian Nicieza has come a long way. He's a he's a pretty good writer today. 1993? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> because like, I read this. I didn't read this back in the 90s. So I said Deadpool wasn't my thing. I'd read this, I don't know, 10 or so years later when it was republished. And I couldn't remember anything of it until I decided we were going to talk about it. And so you say, we've, we've talked about so many old school comics. I remember them being better than they were. No, once I started reading this, I remembered it being exactly how it was. I remember, oh yeah, I didn't like this very much the first time I read it. And I just completely forgot about how bad it was. Actually, I take back my comment about the nose. I'm flipping through some of these and there's a crap load of noses missing here under that mask. <laughs> Is that because he doesn't have a nose because of the cancer thing or what is it? It, it I'm sure that's a part of it. Yeah, but again, another of it is just it's that that's the, that was the horrible. 90s style. I see. I'm going to come clean right now. I read the first issue and I read part of the second and I went, nope, nope, nope. I'm flipping my fingers as I'm walking away. Nope. <laughs> now I don't feel so bad because I stopped taking notes about halfway through the second issue and I didn't even finish the fourth. <laughs> no, I again, I was... <laughs> I'm sitting down reading this and I'm thinking, what have I done to him lately? Okay, because I we talked about some awesome comics last week. I legitimately what? forgot about how bad this was. <laughs> I'm going, screw you, buddy. Because <laughs> again, I finished the first, I tried. I'm going, I'm going to muscle through this. I've muscled through worse, I'm sure. And I'm clicking, clicking, and then I get to the end of the first and I'm like, oh my God. And then I started the second and then it just didn't get better. And I gave up. I, I just could not get through this. Mm-hmm. Well, at the time, after his appearance in the New Mutants and the X-Force comics, you know, Deadpool was getting pretty popular. So they finally decided to give him his own solo series. And it was basically picking up all the plot threads that had been going through X-Force in their first, I don't know, 15 or 20 issues. I mean, on the bright side, you know, I saw a couple characters I recognized. You know, Juggernaut was in there. Black Tom liked them. (laughs) But it's just... The whole point is that uh, Tolliver, the man who was in charge of the Weapon X program, the post-Wolverine era of the Weapon X program, at least, you know, the ones that created Deadpool and all these others, 
had died and left a will and whoever could find you know the pieces of the will would have access to you know phenomenal cosmic powers if you will so it's a who's who of throwaway 90s villains <laughs> basically all trying to kill each other for this thing and Oh my God! The names on some of these guys. The main villain, villain. The main villain. His name is Slayback. Like that's that's like the most '90s name I can think of. And he's like some it sounds like an outhouse like, steakhouse. <laughs> no, no. The best in issue three, I think it is. A uh, mercenary crew comes after Deadpool. The executive elite, they're called, and don't even ask me to remember the other two names, but their leader, his name is Comcast. Oh, my God. The most villainous name oh, yeah. of all time. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if you want some insight into the history of the Deadpool character, it's in here. <laughs> and I I don't know for sure, but I believe this was also the first time we saw Deadpool unmasked. And so that was a big deal for this. But man, and even like none of the jokes were even funny. Like it, it wasn't just bad story. It was completely unfunny at the same time. Like maybe some of these jokes were funny in 1993. No, no, maybe no. I was there. <laughs> I'm telling you, no, <laughs> really, really. All that was missing in here was like pink shirts and rolled up sports coat sleeves. <laughs> this was horrible. And and as I'm reading it, I'm I, that's because that's what I was thinking too. Like, okay, maybe in the day, and also maybe again, I keep going back to that target audience thing. So maybe it's for a much younger target audience. But I'm thinking, man, even when I was a kid. I, a teenager reading comics, I'm, I swear, like this would not, like this was beyond that time, but still. Yeah, I was it 12 w- years old when this comic came out and I remember, and it didn't interest me back then. Like I never read it back then, but just like the character and everything in general didn't interest me. No, it's horrible. How old were you in 1993, Raj? 22. <laughs> didn't expect you to answer that question. I was, I was 22 and raising three kids. I didn't have time for this crap. <laughs> I, I lost my train of thought now. <laughs> I had something else to say, but like I said, I stopped taking notes halfway through. <laughs> anyway, crappy 90s comics. But um, we see that like when I think back to the good Deadpool stories from his early days, I think of you know the Joe Kelly stories, Mark Wade, uh, Gail Simone. Like They all did a lot of good stuff with the character because this – miniseries ends with Deadpool realizing, oh, maybe I'm not such a bad guy after all. And that's when they kind of moved him into not that heroic direction, but at least him being an anti-hero instead of a villain. So again, as a building block for Deadpool as a character, it's kind of important, but uh, maybe just read the Wikipedia version of it. You can avoid the four issues. Yeah. See, that's the problem with this kind of thing because, and I'll use myself as an example, obviously, is I read comics when I was younger and then stopped for decades afterwards Mm -hmm. and so i missed a lot of the stuff that was going on like some of the stuff i kind of knew what was going on or you'd read about it or whatever kind of thing or you'd hear from from somebody else but i I wasn't reading the comics at the time hell we had we we didn't have any money to scratch together (laughs) i I assure you i wasn't buying four (laughs) dollar comics um but um 
This thing wasn't four dollars back then. It was uh, three something, I believe, is what I saw the price. Really? And yeah. well, the Canadian price too. Keep that in mind. Uh, Which true. for comic books, here's my little rant. It's always been that way. Canadian price is disproportionate to the actual exchange rates. Like this was in ninety three two fifty American three seventy five or what is that? I can't see it. I think it's a. I think it's a one. Yeah, three fifteen. And so, like, that's a lot of freaking money for one comic. Again, when you don't have a lot of money. But anyways, the point I was trying to make is that with a character like this. The 315 is a lot for a comic today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the, the problem with a character, especially like this, where it is something that came after someone like me, say, and there's a lot of us, especially because of tablets nowadays, that are reading comics again as adults. And especially because of the strength of many modern comics, especially. But anyways... With a comic like this, a character, it's so hard because there's so much crap that was written with this character. So mm -hmm. for us, like it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'd like to read some good Deadpool stories, but most of them are horrible. And a lot of times the people who really like Deadpool are kind of rabid about it. <laughs> no and like kidding. all the Deadpool, it doesn't matter. And that's cool. If that's your style and you like that type of humor, more power to you. That's great. But for someone like myself, it's like, no. So I need to really be picky about which Deadpool stories I'll actually like. And so far, those have been few and far between. So I've kind of pretty much given up. Unless it's in the hands of a writer that I know can do something amazing with it. I'm trying to remember. If any of those other early Deadpool stories or things you worth read. reading, I don't they, trust they, you right now. It, I would rather memory, go to the internet and ask them. <laughs> from my memory, they were better. I can guarantee they were better than this. I just can't remember if they were still up to quality where I'd say, yeah, check it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, again, wrapping back around to Fabian DiCiesa, uh, because he wrote the Cable and Deadpool series that came out. Early to mid 2000s, I think it was. Did he have which, just like a big crush on Leefield? <laughs> well, he worked with Liefeld a lot. Like ah. he co he co wrote New Mutants, and once Liefeld left X Force, he took over X Force. So especially with the characters of Cable and Deadpool specifically, like he's kind of the go to guy from the early days. Right. So when they wanted to bring Cable and Deadpool back in a big way, and I want to say it was like 2002 or so, maybe 2004, somewhere in there. They, they put them together in a series and they brought in Nicieza to write it. And it was a lot better. <laughs> like, it was a lot funnier. Like, the, the characters were more... Of course, the characters had 20 years of development. Like, they, they were a lot more interesting. The interplay between the two is, I think, what really made that series uh, so interesting because, you know, you had the straight guy and Cable and you had the goofball and Deadpool. And it was a lot of fun. And it, was, it wasn't, you know, award-winning comics, but it was very enjoyable. So... Again, just like we've seen Madrera's art evolve since 93, uh, it's nice to see Nicieza's writing has also evolved in yeah. the time. Not everybody has Rob Liefeld writing and drawing the same comic for 25 years. Seriously, we talked about that, what, last week? Or the week? <laughs> I think it was two weeks ago, but yeah. <laughs> I still need to find that. I have to. It's horrible. It is so funny. Leave it to him to make me swear yeah, in this episode. <laughs> Deadpool didn't, but life all did. <laughs> all right. As for uh, what else we've been reading this week, I was very, very happy with issue 17 of Ms. Marvel because this is finally the issue where Kamala teams up with Carol. And, of course, this is the, the whole last days 
thing where it's, you know, the Marvel Universe during the incursion before Secret Wars. So it's kind of heartbreaking because, you know, as a reader, Kamala is trying her best to protect her friends and protect her family. But, you know, everybody's going to die because the freaking Earth blows up. So it's really heartbreaking at some points. But finally getting the team up with her and her idol, uh, Captain Marvel, was great. And there were some pages in here that were just really really good writing like even if you haven't been reading the ms marvel series i'd say issue 17 is worth checking out i actually have them all and i'm holding off until it's done kind of thing and then i'm just going to rip through them like i normally do mm-hmm. uh did you read the latest infinity gauntlet which one was that that's the one with the novas i believe i did remember issue two is when the dog turned into a nova yeah and then the third one, well, what? I don't think I did, actually. I'm actually liking what they're doing with it. Uh, because remember at the end of issue two, we saw the old Thanos kill the young Thanos. Well, now he's used the time gem and he's actually gone back in time and joined up with the Nova family. So he's kind of pretending to be, you know, a hero and working with them. And uh, we start to get the Guardians of the Galaxy coming in as well. It, I'm just really liking the series and, you know, the way that they're really twisting our expectations and doing fun new stuff with these characters is uh, pretty great to see. Cool. Uh, The Wicked and the Divine. I've talked about the series off and on, and I like how they're using these uh, pop stars who have literally become incarnations of ancient gods as a lot of metaphor for celebrity in modern society. And this particular issue focused on a goddess that we hadn't seen before named Terra who hates her life because there are some really powerful scenes in this comic. She deals with kind of what you would expect a woman in the public spotlight in the social media age has to deal with. And Kieran Gillen, uh, the writer on this, you know, he actually comes from a background in the games industry. So there's a lot of uh, relevant social issues that he kind of, references <laughs> but doesn't uh, exactly you know state by name if you will but yeah it was a really powerful issue i really enjoyed it cool and then i read the second issue of the spire oh i haven't read that one yet how was it i think i'm subconsciously making sense out of all the weird words that he made up okay <laughs> it, it, it read a lot smoother now we're really getting into a lot of the like the background of the society and you know how he said the the shape the shapers, the shaped, what the heck were they called? Whatever, the the created creatures, if you will, are, are fitting in with society. And it, it's I'm really, really liking the series. It's been pretty great. Mm-hmm. What have you got for us this week? Spider-Man, right? Dude, this was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> for New Year Vows, number three, I was like giddy reading it. It was awesome. I loved great it. Great comic. Oh, my God. It's, uh, again, I mean, it's it's a testament to slot that he has such a grasp of the character as well as the secondary characters and everybody else that even in this kind of situation where it's this parallel kind of universe or whatever, he can still hold you like no one else can with this character. And we get moments here where like, this isn't our Peter and it shouldn't be because he's gone through things that are Peter. I keep doing that. Our, our Peter, our Peter. Has not Peter. Gone through. Yeah, he's mine. Okay. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, like when he's fighting Doc Ock and he's like ripping these arms off, you're going like, oh, <laughs> all right then. I see that uh, you kind of ditched some of those morals you had about not hurting people. <laughs> he didn't hurt him. He ripped out organic metal arms. <laughs> they were metallic. It's, it's, it's repairable. Okay. Anyway, and the stuff. <laughs> what, what, I, what I love about that, going back to just one second, because you know, he rips off one of Doc Ock's arms. You're like, oh, whatever. We've seen him do that how many times in the comics? And Otto specifically says, those are wired into my central nervous system. I feel them as if they were my own limbs. And yet, off panel, he rips off more. More. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I mean. It's like, holy crap. And I love it. And because we know this is not canon, doesn't matter. So I'm cheering more for it. And it's like, run with this ball, buddy. You can do it. So, like, all the stuff with him getting back into the game kind of thing. And then you got the stuff with, with MJ and the baby and the stuff at the school and all that. Like, it was just one after another of awesome because it it really shows what happens to Peter when he's painted into a corner kind of thing, or I should say backed into a corner. And it really, it really demonstrates the strength of the character and not backing down and things like that. And then when you get to the end and his daughter is like going to be joining in where you see the picture for next week and it's like, Oh my God, why aren't comics coming out every week? Like you guys were doing before. I need this now. (laughs) So yeah. Loved it. Did you read uh, the next Batman Beyond as well? I haven't gotten around to that one yet, unfortunately. That was good. It was good. What I loved about it is that as someone who read Batman Beyond before and loved McGinnis and knew that history and obviously watched the cartoons as well and whatnot, this is especially cool because you're getting his younger brother is a little bit older now, Terry McGinnis' younger brother, and he's kind of doubting Drake and like mm-hmm. he doesn't deserve to wear that costume. That's my brother's costume. He shouldn't be Batman and things like that. And then you're getting the scenes with Drake who's been taken by brother I and being tortured and trying to be brainwashed and stuff and fighting back and having that strength of character that Bruce had and Terry had to fight back in those kind of situations to the point where eventually the younger brother kind of goes, okay, yeah, you you deserve it kind of thing. So it was a really poignant, well done issue that had great character development, still had a ton of action, brainless action just for fun kind of thing, but like really cool. And I love the art. So that was cool. awesome. Yeah, I, it, it's sitting there. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, it was fairly good. Uh, next Civil War. I'm oh, yes. Yeah, Dude, I'm loving this. I, You know what? Next to the Spider-Man stuff, I think it's safe for me to say that with this this event, this is actually the one that I'm, I'm enjoying, uh, again, next to Spider-Man the most. This is the dynamics of what is happening is super interesting, but also believable. Mm-hmm. Like when you're looking at the divide of power kind of thing, it makes sense. And then when you're looking at the the advancement of those individual societies, and quite obviously Starks is way, like leaps and bounds ahead technology-wise, but that's not without its flaws either. So there's a lot of stuff going on. And then when you see that division of the heroes and who decided to go where believable for the most part, but every once in a while you're like, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's interesting because I want to know what led to those things. 
I want to know why, why, what happened between Spider-Man that he stayed there and MJ went on the other side kind of thing. So like we get little hints here and there, but I, I'd like to see those backstories. I know we never will, but it's interesting enough that as I'm reading this in the back of my head, I'm thinking, Ooh, I'd like to see what prompted that. And the Stark and shield come on like, okay, I'd like to know how that started as well. So there was a bunch of stuff. Something I'd like to point out about that scene. It wasn't Jennifer. It was she Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny too. Well, really, if you had a choice, come on, seriously. <laughs> Oh, if I'm strong enough. <laughs> and then the final panel, which I don't want to spoil, but that final page was like, oh, okay. This, this, I, once again, can't wait for the next one. He's done a really good job of building the tension from issue to issue now. Well, not just the tension, but the, again, that character development, which mm-hmm. is so very important. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you have to care about the characters in order for there to be tension. Yeah. 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 Um, have you caught caught up on the little AVX yet? No. Dude, it's still awesome. I know. <laughs> it is still so awesome. And what makes it awesome is that I sit with my granddaughter and show her these pictures on my lap and flip it through and laughing about things and all that. But I mean, I'm laughing hysterical, hysterically at like the fastball special stuff like because Wolverine is convincing Colossus to whip these kids around. And say it's a fastball special. It's a classic. You'll love it. And there's all of these little things throughout, whether it's beasts playing willy nilly with mutagens or Cyclops being Cyclops. Wolverine is always laughing maniacally and he's got the fangs and the little claws popping out. It's like everything about this is awesome for, for people who are, are adults reading comic books because of the silliness of actual events and yes. the fact that this kind of pokes at that and say, you guys are taking yourself a little too seriously. I love it. I absolutely love it. And the art style, of course, my God, freaking awesome. And he actually did the art on this one too, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Pretty sure he has been. Yeah. Scotty Young did the words and the art. And yeah. then uh, Jean-François Beaulieu did the colors. But this was, and, and spoiler, skip ahead like, 20 seconds <laughs> the ending has the guardians show up <laughs> because there's again the, the twins which one would assume are something having to do maybe with wanda and what's his face but mm-hmm. who knows but i mean freaking galactus shows up thanos is there and then you get the guardians show up as well <laughs> because the x-men and the avengers had been fighting for who would get them on their team kind of thing trying to recruit them and at the end there's the guardians and i was like oh dude <laughs> That was awesome. I loved it. So yeah, a lot of fun. And then keeping with that, of course, the next Groot. I read it. Did you, so you've read all three? Yes. Okay, good. Did you like two as much as I did? Yes. Good. Three was, I thought, not as good, but it was fantastic. Because Silver, the Silver Surfer series, no offense to Dan Slott, I have not been liking. Mm-hmm. So when I saw this initially, I went, yeah. But this was great. This was, I, I loved Silver Surfer in this. I liked the chick telling him to shut up and stop monologuing. Yes, stop, stop surferizing. Yes. But the entirety of the story, I liked it. They did, once again, the using the font with the image of what is actually going on. Mm-hmm. Fantastic imagery throughout for all kinds of different things. Whether you're looking at the electrical storms, like again, talking about the art, the art was 
incredible in this. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And the art was done by Brian Kessinger. And then Vero, Vero, Vero Gandini did the color. Anyways, it was freaking good. It, I, I really enjoyed it. And then, of course, it's a, it's, it's a little bit heavy-handed message, but it's true, too. Like, had you not been there, yeah, these people would have died. So there's a reason for everything. And ironically, I'd been talking to somebody about that recently because they were talking about, you know, every once in a while you get that in brain activity going and you're thinking about what if I'd made different choices in my mm-hmm. life. And I was saying, you know what? I felt the same way with each of my kids but then as they grow that kind of wanes and you you forget about that but now with the granddaughter i think you know what it's that butterfly effect had i made a different choice one single different choice along the way she might not exist so and i happened to be having that conversation around the same time as i'd read this so it was like perfectly timed and and i loved it it was great meanwhile my last one are you even reading ultimate end yet or you're not even good about i gave up it's it's this one was a little bit better i will say that and just because it's kind of really ramping up now kind of thing and you're getting that division of again the heroes who's going to do what and what not and you, everybody's kind of trying to get through all the iron man outfits and everything meanwhile <laughs> freaking punisher's gone crazy and the stuff with him and okay if you're not gonna read it there you go <laughs> cloak and dagger go after him the cloak and dagger from the ultimates universe go after okay. punisher cloak gets him in his cape now i've read a lot of cloak and dagger comics over the, the years i love <laughs> yes. these characters so i love this all of a sudden cloak is like um Something's not right here. And you see bullets coming out of him. And all of a sudden, there's this massive explosion. He falls to the ground, and Punisher comes jumping out, a grin on his face, firing his guns, tossing a bomb, a grenade, and runs off. And Cloak is like, that's never happened before. And I was like, that was awesome. That there was worth the price of this comic. That was awesome. Because it's true, no one ever gets out of that. But leave it to Frank to have that stubborn willpower to just start shooting in this blackness. (laughs) So, yeah, it was worth it for that. Okay. And that's it. So, I I left it for you. You didn't read the latest Spider Island? I didn't, actually. I didn't have time. uh, I'm assuming you did. I'll, I'll save it because there's an event in this comic that I've been waiting years for since like 2006. Something finally happened that uh, was a big missed opportunity in uh, in Dark Avengers, and I'm happy that it popped back up here. Well, next week. Next week. All right. As for this week's comics, our new releases from Marvel, we have A-Force number three, Amazing Spider-Man number 20.1, Ghost Racers number three, Master of Kung Fu number four, Planet Hulk number four, Secret Wars number five, Secret Wars 2099 number four, Secret Wars Battle World number four, and Star Wars Lando number two. I'm trying to remember because I know they were doing the Amazing Spider-Man point one issues like right after the regular one. Did we even get an Amazing Spider-Man number 20? I honestly don't know. I don't think we did. I think there's a point one for a regular number that doesn't actually exist. <laughs> anyway, moving on from DC, we have Action Comics number 43, Batman number 43, Batman Superman number 23, Constantine the Hellblazer number, well, just three, and Gotham Academy number nine. 
From Image this week, we have Descender number six, The Fade Out number eight, Injection number four, Odyssey number six. Uh, Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey are bringing back Phonogram with their new miniseries, The Immaterial Girl number one, and The Walking Dead number 145. From Avatar, we have Mercury Heat number two and Uber number 27. IDW, Star Trek Green Lantern number two and X-Files season 11 number one. And then finally from Valiant, we have Bloodshot Reborn number five and Unity number 21. So that's going to wrap us up here at the Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. Might want to check out our gaming podcast over on For the Lore at forthelore.com. We had a, uh, a special episode this week that I'd invite you all to check out. It meant a lot to us. And that's going to wrap us up here. So until next week, thanks for listening. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.